podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It is the Anfield Wrap, and it's a joy to do the Anfield Wrap on the week where Liverpool dominate a European Cup semi-final. Finishes 5-2 as Liverpool play Roma. We're going to have a lovely big chat about that, because why wouldn't you? Uh, we're also going to look ahead to the second leg, and we're going to have a conversation around the safety issues around the second leg that have been becoming clear over the last few days. Uh, and then on top of that, we're also going to look ahead to Stoke City, and we're going to look ahead to the Women's Derby, which takes place on Sunday at Prenton Park. 2pm kickoff. I'll get that in early for you. 2pm uh, kickoff if you want to get down. And if you've got a Liverpool season ticket... Or an ever, or sorry, a Tramia season ticket. You can get in for free. Uh, Two PM on Saturday, uh, Sunday. Sorry, we'll give that one more of a push later on with Heather Carroll. And at that point, I'll have all the details correct in my head. Uh, but let's talk about Liverpool versus Roma first, Gareth. Um, oh, I've got Gareth Roberts, Kathy Long, and Harry Hawthorne with me. Uh, get all the good order stuff in first. Uh, Gareth, Liverpool's best fifty minutes in Europe, possibly ever. Yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. Uh, blew me away. Um, you know, it was one of those games where. I've watched it back since, and, and and genuinely, like I just got, I was just caught up in the sort of, you know, what a whirlwind it was of a match. Really, I was quite surprised in in, in some of the analysis I listened to. Really, that, that that suggested, you know, Roma had some kind of decent period in the match because I think even in this supposed first twenty or thirty, where they are in it, as people have said, Liverpool are creating chances even then. And I, and I think a lot of the time when they're supposedly in it is is you know times for instance when Oxley Chamberlain goes down injured and is off the pitch for a little bit and we're down to ten men and there's a little bit of a mess around around getting them off the pitch and making a substitution and that sort of stuff. I thought we I just thought we battered them. I thought we were all over them. They have the moment where they hit the bar obviously with with, with a great shot and Carrius looked a little bit surprised by that one. But overall we played great football. We were behind them so many times. And I honestly think it's not unfair to say we could have and perhaps should have beaten them eight or nine um, because we were that good. And, and that was what, that is why the second leg doesn't hold any fears for me, not in terms of the football at least anyway, because I just think they've got to come at us. They've, you know, they need to score three goals, as we know. Yes, they've done it before against Barcelona, but we're not Barcelona. But we don't play anything like Barcelona. And we, you know, we can grind one out, we can graft, but we can also catch them on the break. And they... they I, I think all this idea of us worrying about them, they will be really worried about us. How do you stop that front three? They couldn't the other night. What makes everyone think they can, you know, come Wednesday? It was it was an expression of dominance, Cathy. It was a real sort of, the sort of thing that shouldn't happen at that level. It, it, it's a semi-final. It actually reminds me a little bit of the um, of the Germany-Brazil in the World Cup a couple of years back, where, it, where you were almost thinking at times, is someone going to put these out of the misery a little bit? It like, almost got a bit unfair. You do, you sh- it shouldn't happen at, the, at semi-finals of elite competitions that there is that much of a gulf for that long on the pitch between two football teams. Yeah, that was how I felt watching that. Like, like I agree about that Germany-Brazil game when you thought, this is actually humiliating. When yeah. you watched it, it was it was hard to watch in a way that that the Germany Brazil game. This I was just astonished and open mouthed at the way that we were playing and the speed and the confidence with which we played, and the way that the players were just obviously enjoying it so much. You know, it creates that incredible buzz. I think when you've got the crowd and the, the players really in sync with each other like that. You yeah. know, I, I was sort of jealous of, of Tottenham a bit over the last couple of years, certainly last season, because I felt like they were closer to their manager and their and their, their club and it felt like they really had a thing going that I felt like we didn't have at that time but I really feel like we've got that now it, It's interesting the way Cathy used that language Harry because that's one of the things that I was almost thinking this is in so many ways this is almost Jürgen Klopp's perfect night in terms of the, the fact that he's watching his footballers not just play well but enjoy themselves and he talks so much about that He's watching his side demolish a great side and he's also got what's going on around him in the stands. And I, there was a moment when it was at about 5 and I just sort of looked over because I'm opposite Klopp in the centenary. I just sort of looked over to him and thought, yeah, this is this is probably why, you know, when you're making the decision as to whether or not you come to Liverpool, when you're making the decision whether or not to be a footy manager, whether to continue being a footy manager even, this is what you're thinking of. You're thinking of, this is what I'm in this for. It was an absolutely outstanding night. It was wonderful. It was incredible. But um, the one thing that I really think that should be taken away is just how important and how impressive that performance was. To play at that level at in that game is something that I can't really comprehend. And I think Klopp will come away with that as his best night so far. Yeah, I mean, you, you touched on it, Neil. It's, it's not something you expect to see in the semi-final of a competition like the Champions League. You know, most of the time it's cagey, it's one or two, it's San and Nick away goals, it's all that kind of stuff. You know, you, you watch the other semi-final and it was just so boring in comparison. And, you know, the same when you watch Arsenal in Europa League and you just think, 
I'm so glad that I don't have to watch football. That isn't Jurgen Klopp's football right now because we're having the time of our lives watching fantastic football, watching Mo Salah score every type of goal, and they're having watching these boring trudges of no, <laughs> normal football matches. And, yeah. and, and, and you know what? Well, I keep I've said it so many times this week, and I'll say it again. It's an absolutely fantastic, great time to be a Red. You know, Mo Salah. It's just breaking records week after week, edging ever closer to that record of, of Ian Rush's. And if he gets that, that is just phenomenal. Because the, the A, because of the players Rush he was playing with, B, because of the number of games he was playing in as well. I think I think it's a lot less by Salah. But, you know, this is like sort of once-in-a-lifetime stuff that you've got to fail in your team scoring this amount of goals. This is phenomenal. I mean, we, we watched Torres, we watched Suarez, you know, I've watched Fowler, I've watched Owen, I've watched quite a few great goal scorers for Liverpool. And this fella's outstripping them all. That's that's something else. Yeah, I just think it's a joyous experience. Um, I think Oxlade-Chamberlain sums it up in a way, actually, because when he signed for us, I thought, you know, he's a decent player. He, he might do some good things for us. Maybe he'll score a couple of incredible goals, but we're never going to take to him. He's never going to feel like one of us because he's an Arsenal player, isn't he? And he's always going to have that Arsenalness about him. And, and then his first couple of games, I was watching him just thinking, oh, that is so Arsenal. I was getting frustrated when he wasn't tracking back, when he wasn't running back for the second, second chance at the ball, you know. And then something changed as he got used to it. And the way he's talked... And the way he plays and the way you can see him absolutely loving playing in this sort of team, I think sums up that difference between what we're watching and what fans of other teams are watching. And, and I was so gutted for him when he was injured. And I just didn't expect ever to feel like that. But I think it's because of what, what Klopp has brought out and because of the sort of football he's playing that he's never played before. It's it's interesting though, you mentioned Salah, but also the midfield. I felt it was a real it was a real evening for the midfield. Harry where Oxley chamberlain goes off and I think that from that point onwards when Alden comes on and it, nothing to do with Oxley chamberlains performance I think that break in play killed Roma's momentum and their adrenaline a little bit and then suddenly Liverpool were absolutely pairing and all three in the middle of the park were, were just different class They were all superb on the night I thought uh, Jordan Henderson obviously gets criticised a lot by opposition fans but on, on the night by our fans mate <laughs> Yeah I know I know which I, I think is totally mad but I thought you know in a European Cup semi-final playing that way dominating midfield, you know. We were told to worry about Roma's midfield. We were told that Nyangaland's a wonderful player, all of this. But Henderson was the best player in the on the park, arguably. Obviously, excluding Salah. But, you know, he was superb. Dominated the game. For, uh, Milner, again, showed his experience, was superb. And um, I was really worried when Oxley chamberlain originally went off because I think he had so much gearing forward and, and joining in with the attack. But Wijnaldum came on was superb as well. It, it felt like a big night for Wijnaldum. I think it's a big night for all three of them, but in different ways. For Milner... This is he's grabbing an opportunity, Cathy, that he's suddenly got where he's a key he's a key cog in centre midfield for a Champions League team, a team that can win the Champions League. It's a big night for Henderson as captain to sort of to, to you know, if he goes on and lifts the European Cup this season, there's every chance that's the performance that will define it. And when he lifts it, that's what you'll be thinking of. But for me, when Alden's had a really mucky, broken up season, and he just comes off the bench and you did worry because it not least it's a tough game to come into. And he absolutely, it could be his best Liverpool performance. I, I thought so. I thought he came on and it really did seem as though we were just pairing from then on. And I agree about that first 20 minutes when yeah, Roma had the ball, but they didn't really have any fantastic chances. It was just that it wasn't quite clicking. And the way the way I think Klopp has got his team now is that subs can come in and, and it doesn't necessarily change the game unless that's what he's wanting to do. You know, yeah. some people are coming on for an injury. And I, I think about this team... We have to love it for, for Mo Salah. We have to love this team for its speed and its energy and its joyousness. But we also have to love it for its faults as well. And, and I don't think there's players there that we're not loving. But I sort of feel like, you know, we have to accept that they're playing their part in this team, actually. Lovren plays part. We don't always want him to play. And he's always got a mistake in him. But all the players need that support, I think. I think it's I important. Think to show that. But I think it's important that, Cathy, I think that you can... I think you can get lost in the fact that there's something core at the middle of a football team, whether they're playing non-league football or whether or not they're trying to win European football's greatest prize. There's still a gang of mostly 20-year-old lads, lads in their 20s, who, who are a bit ragtag. And, you know, you look at, Gareth mentioned before, Real Madrid against the Bayern Munich. Real Madrid, they don't have look flawed to me in a couple of places. And yet, they've won the last two. They could well still win this one. And you're sort of looking at them going, well, I don't think he's great and I don't think he's great. What they have got is they've got this core of we're all in this together, boys. And that's what you're seeing from Liverpool here. Absolutely, yeah. And that's why I think we have to, um, you know, like I say, we have to sort of love the team for its for its faults and its frustrations as, as well as its joyousness. 
you know, we have we don't want to love the two goals as much as we love the five. You know, we'd, we'd rather it was five nil. But that's the team. That's sort of the ride that we're strapping ourselves in for. And I mean, that, that is going to be the price that that you're going to pay. Actually, I mean, I'd lo- I'd love the team to close games out properly. I'd love us just to get you know a two nil up and close a game out. Sometimes, never mind five. But that's that's the team that we've got. I, I, I totally agree with that because I just think, you know, the energy they put into into 80 or the energy they put into 70 at times is ridiculous. And, and you know, the, the, the it's not just running and it's not just pressing, it's everything. It's the energy that goes into everything. And I just think... Men- Concentrating at that level. Men- yeah, yeah, mentally and physically, it must be so draining. And so the idea that, you know, they get into 80 and, and, and sometimes looking a bit knackered, well, well, any normal person in the world would, would, be, would be knackered doing that. But also as well, any any side we've ever watched, really, has it ever been perfect one to eleven? Is any side anywhere ever perfect one to eleven? I think it's a bit idealistic to say it is, and you know, you st- we still do that thing, don't we, about about oh five and look back and say, oh yeah, you know, we had Jimmy Triori playing there and Biscam played a part and Barros played a part and not not everyone likes Smita, but he plays a part and all that sort of stuff. This is what football's like for me. I think you have these sort of unlikely heroes that can emerge during runs like this and everyone has to play a part in some way and bits won't be perfect, but it just can't be perfect across the course of a campaign. It's never going to be. There's going to be moments where, you know, you're on edge or there's a little bit of luck or whatever. That's what happens. That's how you become... That's how you win competitions like this. I mean, you know, I've seen it back again and I've seen it so many times, but someone put on in the office again the other day the, the semi-final against Chelsea in 05 and I still, I, I still freeze when Good Johnson gets the chance, even though I know what happens. <laughs> and, and it's like, you know, so, so easily we end up in a different place where we're out and we didn't win it in 05. And so, you know, there's moments like that in football and we've all got to deal with it. And, and right now, you know, we're 5-2 up. I, I can't. I'm not bothered about the two. We're fa- we scored five in a semi-final. We blew them away. Imagine what that's done to their mental state, to their confidence. They're all rocking in dark corners in Rome. Well, they don't want to play us again. We will talk about rocking in dark corners after the break. We'll talk about imperfections as well, and we'll talk about loving imperfections. What a wonderful attitude. What a fantastic sentiment. This is the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. To go anywhere else would be a ridiculous decision to make. Welcome back, uh, Radio City Talk, the Anfield wrap with you. Just want to very quickly mention a book you can get on uh, Kindle from a, a fellow who supports Liverpool who died five years ago this week. Uh, big shout out to his family. It's uh, Prisoner 4701, Liam Ogunshaken. Uh So if you want get to on, get on that, it's uh, it's, it's about uh, something set in Germany 1943. Prisoner 4701, the, the, the guy died five years ago this week. Uh, so I did want to mention that one this week. Uh, back to talking about Liverpool up against AS Roma and... To feature the the unlikely the unlikely lads, uh, Kathy, it isn't just the idea of you know one or two of them we were a bit suspicious of. Still, understandably so, the goalkeeper to a certain extent, you know, but he's he's come on leaps and bounds, Lovren, mm. but he's come on leaps and bounds. But it's also it's also people like Trent Alexander Arnold and Robertson who, you know, this it isn't quite fairy tale stuff because it happens in football all the time. It's more that you really get to genuinely properly enjoy an entire journey with footballers like these ones and. Both of them this season have they've, they've not been perfect. Alexander Arnold's made some really high-profile mistakes, and he's he's been very honest about it. But he is now on the verge of of, of being able to reasonably expect to start at right back for Liverpool in the Champions League final. I, I think he's been astonishing the last few weeks. The way he's come back, as you say, from high-profile mistakes. From a lot of people I know just saying, you know, you can't hack it at this level. You shouldn't be in. The way he's just come back and carried on, I think, has been superb. And I think Robertson's journey has been interesting. There was a lot of criticism in some of the, the media about Klopp not putting Robertson in earlier and saying he was obviously ready. Why wasn't he in? Why wasn't he playing? To me, the point was the fact that he was ready once he started actually proved to me that Klopp got it right, that he brings players in at the right moment. Maybe he wasn't ready before that. Maybe he was just getting him ready because he wants players to play in a certain way. And when he's seen that in training and he's seen his right then, I'll bring them in. And it's it's I also think that's been good for him. But it is, and it's but it's also I wonder, Harry, on this one, you know, the you can end up and if Liverpool go on and win the European Cup, we'll all do it. We will all ascribe every moment this season to some sort of item of managerial genius. Whereas again, in the same way, I'm sure if he was sitting here to be perfectly honest about it, we're talking about the imperfections of players. Managers sort of muddle onto situations all the time and 
I'm looking at Milner in centre mid at the minute where he looks like he's got unbelievable legs and it would be easy to say well, why weren't you playing him more in the first half of the season and it might be that Klopp just didn't fancy him forget anything else but now he's he's able to ride the wave of this and Milner's riding the wave as well and sometimes things can just happen and things can coincide and Milner the other night was just terrific considering the fact that he's a footballer who close friends of mine have said I don't want to see him play centre mid for Liverpool again yeah, well, at the start of the season, I, I genuinely think he wasn't getting in because he wasn't fancied there. You know, he obviously played last season at left back, uh, did a very good job, but then his legs fell off. And I think the, the reason that we didn't see Milner for the first half of the season very much was because he had he had players that he preferred there. Um, I don't think it was by design, but what has happened since he's come in is he has been superb and he has been intelligent and he has worked so well with the other midfielders that it's given Liverpool a really good platform in most of the games they played in the second half of the season. The other, the other imperfection is everything that went on around Coutinho, Gareth. And I think we were all, you and I, you know, we, we see each other almost every day and you know, we were both willing Liverpool to buy somebody mm. else in, in January, get somebody else in. And again, you know, the manager sticks to his guns, but also when he articulates why he let Coutinho go, he talked about the group and keeping the group together and all of that. And I'll be honest, those words felt ever so slightly like paying a little bit of lip service at the time. They didn't feel, they didn't ring. You felt you, they could ring hollow. And yet, I think, you know, again, you can feel vindicated in that on one side. On the other side, he's got a simultaneously got this problem that he's now got to ongoing manage, which is the the fitness of the players, the fact that they are dropping like flies. You know, again, this isn't a perfect Liverpool team by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a Liverpool team that's still able to play that level of football under these circumstances. Yeah, I mean, you're right in that, you know, managers having to make decisions all the time and and look, I think you can assess them almost every decision in 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 two ways so you know the Coutinho one you can you've just done it there you've said on the one hand you know he's he's gone and look what we've done and look how well we've played and look how we've got on but equally if he was still around we wouldn't all be panicking that one more midfielder goes down and who's going to play in midfield because you'd have Coutinho so you know and then you People are doing it about the loans now as well. No one was bothered about any of those lads going out oh, on loan. I keep talking about Origi. I, I, yeah. I, I, I forgot who Origi was in March. All the <laughs> lads, lads who were out on loan of, of such... Say what, Harry Wilson's good, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> imagine Ajari in a midfield right now and all this. And it's like, you know, Ryan Kent, Mike, you know, he might have even... And then it's like, well, look, when they were allowed to go out, everyone said they're not getting a sniff, they're not getting a go and they need football and they need to have decent level of football and so they were all allowed to go out and now we're in the semis of a European Cup everyone's reassessed it and you know Klopp doesn't get to do that do you know what I mean he had, he had to make the decision at the time so I, I think it is credit to him though the, the, the way we just keep on going and we keep on going through the adversity and, and I'd back it you know look touch wood let's hope none of the midfielders do take the knock because we are getting close to the bones now and you know what would you do next centre midfield or something I don't know what you would do I, th- well, I think you would do that yeah, I think that's the next one I think it's probably that as well because you know you had Klein on the bench the other night didn't you but you know we are bare bones but but it's almost you know you're almost thinking in team meetings or whatever he'd be using that he'd be saying look you know people are doubting us now people are saying we can't do it people are saying we're bare bones but you lads can do it and it's funny the way he sort of said we we did rotation earlier on in the season we're alright now <laughs> um, and so yeah I mean it, it does still feel like we're flying and it does feel like he's being vindicated um, we still do need some more legs though it's fairly clear we've got Kaita coming as we all keep saying and that's going to be exciting for next season can we get him now can we get him Saturday could he, could, we, could he play against Stoke get a plane play for Leipzig same weekend I'm sure that that must be in the rules or even you know like can 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 Gerard have a game before he goes to Rangers? <laughs> <laughs> he's still it's still on the on the books of the club. Isn't he must he? be. Yeah, must, yeah, it'd be know, absolutely yeah. hysterical if you see Gerard <laughs> named amongst the subs against Stoke. Imagine imagine, imagine Paul Lambert hang on. You can't <laughs> have him. That's not allowed. I think uh, Clap would do it for the humour value of it. You know, <laughs> uh, one more man, one more man that we need. There is the other the other one that I took from the the weekend. Um, sorry, the game against Roma. Harry was the it was the the forgotten man of the front three that man he's now got this injury and now suddenly we all get to worry about him that at times we've maligned him a little bit I've been as guilty of it as anybody else but also there's been he's played every game since December the 30th there's something that came out before the Roma game you know that is an unbelievable stint he's put in for this football club to have started every single game since December the 30th when other people have been chopped and changed he's been there and he's been present and he gets his goal the other night even though you know he has a couple of flashes in front of goal they're not so good he does the business though and now we now we can miss him now we can appreciate him yeah, I completely agree. I thought um, his performance the other night was slightly mo- microcosmic of his season because, um, you know, he goes through adversity, he keeps coming through and he gets his goal and he plays well. 
I think I think Mane's been a, a quiet hero this season. He really has because he's not just he's not just had a bad spell, but he's had to change the way he plays. If you look at where he comes inside now, and sort of drops behind Firmino and Salah, I think it's a, it's a really impressive thing that he's been able to do to change the way he plays and to adapt his game in this changing Liverpool team. It shows the manager that the, the manager gets so much buy-in from them, Cathy. You know, he's able to, to to tell them the story of what it is he needs from them. It will be quite easy for Mane to still, to, to still, and I'm sure there is on some sort of professional level to be thinking to himself, I quite like to be on the end of more things. I quite like to be to be, to be like getting in the box. But he has he has adapted his game, and you saw it the other night. Yeah, I think I think he's playing in a really unselfish way because he's had to change, and he's 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 then making errors, and the crowd again on his back, and he knows it. He's obviously very aware of it. I think we know that from the comments Klopp has made when when he's uh, tried to defend him because he's 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 aware that he's under attack. And post the Goodison miss, sorry, post yeah. the Everton miss in the yeah. league, you know, you feel as though that did that did set him back a little it bit. It did, and it obviously affects him on it. But I think when you look at his overall play, he's so strong, you know. And we see the things like his first touch when it lets him down, and his second touch sometimes. But you see other times when he's playing with his back to goal. And he's, he's laying the ball off and he's supporting the way that Klopp needs that team to play. It's like we said about those imperfections. It's going to be tricky because there's, in order for that team to work, you're not going to get 11 players who were made in, in the exact mould. The, you know? the, other, the other thing to say, I think, is that he was the main man last season. He was yeah. Liverpool's best player, along with Coutinho. And, you know, uh, Firmino stepped up this year. Salah's obviously come in and done what he has. He's not just had to adapt his role in the team, but also his um, his status in the team in another way, which I think is, is going to be very hard for any professional footballer to do. I think he's shown really real humility to sort of grind down and, um, and work with the other players. There is something around the second leg on the pitch, Gareth, where... Barcelona, we know that Barcelona, we couldn't know more that Barcelona get beat 3-0 there. Um, the thing is, I watched all of Barcelona 4, Roma 1, and this is a ridiculous and almost quasi-Shankly-esque statement uh, in, 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 in a certain way. But Barcelona got four lucky goals. And that sounds like a ridiculous two thing to say. Wasn't it? Two own goals. And some of the others are like bouncing. I think PK yeah. gets one. It's bouncing in. Barcelona don't dismantle them. And mm. I think that's what you were saying before about them rocking back and forth. Barcelona don't dismantle them. They don't play them off the park. Now, listen, you know, the Roman manager wouldn't be doing his job if he wasn't saying the first 20 minutes, lads, and you've got two back. That is his job. He's got to be saying that every day in training this week, every day leading up, leading up, hammering that message. But somewhere they'll know we couldn't get near them there. We couldn't live yeah. with them. And that's Liverpool, I think, have got to demonstrate that quite early in the second leg. Even if it's just a 10, 15 minute, minute patch where they just sort of yet again go, no, 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 you can't get near us. Exactly. I, I, that's where I think I think psychologically a lot of the battle's you know, done because you know, a, you know, a lot of people, including people on the Anfield app, you know, were, were down and out a little bit about the two goals conceded. But I, what I spotted from, from where I was on the cop, I spotted Jekyll and he wasn't buzzing. He wasn't buzzing that they claimed two goals back. He was down and out. He was he had his head in his hands. He was like shaking his head. All his body language was terrible. And, and he, he didn't look like a fella to me. He was going to war second leg thinking he can go through. He's thinking we got absolutely bladdered there. We were they blew us away. And um and, and so you know, I, I that's what I took from it. I, I remember coming out and I, that's one of the reasons I was bouncing. I was thinking you know, those lads know. Those lads know there and you can't keep going to the well of being able to recover from three goals down in in, in Champions League. You just can't keep doing it. And yet they've done it one but once, but I just don't I just don't see lightning striking twice. I can't see us not scoring out there. And I think what you know, once we're getting an away goal there as well. Um, they, they need to get four. We get another away goal, they've got to get five just to get extra time. And and it's just so hard for everyone who's out on the pitch and the and the fans in the stands to to retain any belief after that. And I think I think they'll all know it's done then. And then we you know we, we can we can have our party and look forward to Kiev. Excellent stuff. Can't argue with that sentiment <laughs> at all. Does that, has anyone got any real concerns? I mean, I'm going to be quite honest. Without being complacent, we know we can't give anything soft away. We can't do anything daft. Is that was there any aspect of the game you were coming away thinking, well, I wouldn't want to see them do more of that? No, I'm getting pretty blank looks. I think we, yeah, <laughs> you know, you, we look back to the city game, don't we? At this moment, I think, and and that early goal when, let's face it, certainly I was thinking, oh no, this we're not going to withstand this now. You know, we're suddenly. I, I was actually more worried. I think being three 0 up. Um, against City because I just felt they just had to come at us. Um, Roma have to do the same thing, but I'm, I'm not as worried as I was with with Man City. They look, they you look. know, even Man City scored their early goal. They had every advantage, if you like, in the book, and they still didn't manage it. I think we've just got not going to get shaky. We, you know, if we, if something goes wrong in the first few minutes, we've just got to be strong. We've and we've got, got to be a really got, steely team, and we've yeah. got the knowledge of that from the Man City game. 
they, they really didn't show me much to fear, to be honest. I know they got the two late goals, but the, the penalty wasn't a penalty. I mean, who is supposed to move their arm that fast to get it out of the way of that ball? Um, their goal was obviously a mistake. That, that is a shame. But really, Liverpool did completely batter them on the night. Like they, we, we shouldn't really overlook how good we were and how bad they were defensively. Um, they really didn't show me much to be scared of Roma at all. Okay, this is the Anfield from Radio City Talk. After the break, we're going to have a chat about matters off the pitch in Rome. The women's derby uh, taking place on Sunday and we are going to talk about Liverpool's really rather strange fixture this weekend, but they're all strange fixtures this weekend against Stoke City. Don't go anywhere. It is your Red's Bed segment. How are you doing? Yeah, good, yeah. 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 It's a, it's a strange weekend for football, isn't it? In terms in of the matches? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's weird in that it's both flat, but also a lot can be decided. Yeah. So it's, it, it doesn't feel like it's a crisis point, and yet it sort of is for a few sides. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think it's, I think because last weekend there wasn't many Premier League games as well. You forget that then this weekend everyone else is playing. So you're looking at like, oh, who's playing? Oh, right, everybody. Yeah. There's uh, something else as well, which I love, which is that the Ma- Manchester United Arsenal is the most irrelevant game of the weekend. It's the half four <laughs> on Sky. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I've, I, I know I've got a friend who, who, um, he was after two tickets for it, and so I sent a text to Armstrong and said, can you help? Thinking Man United Arsenal, that's going to be tough. And he was basically like, where did they want to sit? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was really worried about it. Yeah. You know, I was like, good match and all that. Well, and, and he was like, yeah. Speaking of Steve, this is our bet segment, and you were just going to point out that there is a £25,000 guaranteed prize pool on the fantasy football on Red's Bet. So you can have the tour thing that we discussed last week, you can win off that, but also there's a deadline at 12.22 on Saturday morning, uh, and you can enter. Um, the first entry is free, uh, and you can get a fan experience worth £2,000 and a share of a £25,000 prize fund. I'm, I'm, I'm entering this stuff every week at the minute, to be honest. <laughs> it's a good it's a good part, isn't it? It's a good... Um, distance of competition as well I think yeah I, like, I keep saying that yeah. yeah yeah like four weeks is nice isn't it like um, you know all season I just I just I forget for a few months and then annoy myself well not a few months but a few weeks and then annoy myself and, and, and kind of slip by which is what's happened in Moto the last few weeks um, one week just feels like it's potluck whereas four it's a good combination of me thinking that I'm dead clever at football yeah. and not needing the longest attention span in the world it's a perfect game for me Neil <laughs> It's uh, it's hard as well. I mean, because, I still won't win. Well, it's hard but, you as well. Know, but, I, but I back myself right now. You've got to look at the balls kicked. Well, you've got to look at who's playing who. Yeah. Uh, do you know what my sneaky one is on this one? Go on. I've got I've got a legitimate sneaky one. Okay. It's Christian Benteke. I mean, you might be trying to be too clever there. I just think like he, he can't keep missing that many he, chances. He has done though. I've been thinking that all season. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and all season Christian has been flattering to deceive me but I just sort of think if he just ever so slightly reverts to the mean ever so slightly reverts to what he should be doing and what he's done in years gone by that he somehow adds eight in the last three <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> like he's going to end the season like Ronnie Rosenthal in his pomp uh, yeah he just, he just doesn't look like a man who's just about to do that's me I think he's doing his own heading which is the problem yeah, he could be right I, think, about I that. think there's kind of issues on that but I like you I like your kind of wild card thinking and also Crystal Palace are only playing rubbish teams now well what about what about a bit of Loftus Cheek or something? Then, if you if that's the road you want well, to go, there's down. nothing wrong with a bit of Loftus Cheek. Um, the new Chelsea manager should whoever whoever is going to replace Conte should be walking in with that attitude. There's nothing wrong with a bit of Ruben Loftus Cheek. I'd yeah. be all right with the Reds getting after Loftus Cheek if yeah. they don't want him. Mm. Um, but then I'm, I'm just, there's, I've managed to you know when, when you suddenly have an injury crisis in a position and you'll buy everybody who plays in that position <laughs> in your own head. That lad from Norwich, he looks good. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I just absolutely rattle through them. I'm, I'm, I was buying my England after midweek. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was, I was, I was a big. Of that myself. I mean, you know, he's massive in Indonesia. <laughs> what? My England's massive in Indonesia. Is he? Yeah, yeah, huge. Okay. He's like, he's like, is that because he had a good like tournament, summer tournaments? I think his heritage might be might be Indonesian. Okay. He's, I don't yeah, know. I'm just, yeah. I'm just guessing. Yeah. Which is probably quite a dangerous thing to guess about, but we are where we the, are. The big into Mohicans as well. Uh, the, there's that in Bali. Supposedly, like it was Paul Senior who was telling me, so I don't know why I'm treating it as gospel. But he said, like, <laughs> if you ask someone from Indonesia who the three best players in the world are, they'll say Messi one, Ronaldo two, Nye England three. Well, you know, it's not a bad shout. I mean, there's, there's a most Salah-shaped hole, but uh, I don't think there will be in many people's fantasy football sides. No, there won't be. Uh, thanks for getting me back on the point, John. Um, <laughs> smoothly. Uh, so this is the Reds, but we're partnering up with Reds Bet all year. We talk about it, and you know that we're, you know, that the, their their ethos, their aim is to share fifty percent of their net profits with Liverpool fan causes. But this week on their fantasy football, you can win a guaranteed twenty five thousand pounds, and you can enter for free. Your first entry is for free. Subsequent ones wouldn't be. Uh, so that you can't win twenty five thousand pounds, but the prize pool is twenty five thousand pounds, and a fan experience is worth two thousand pounds. 
as ever, when we talk about Red Bet, we do say be gamble aware. Uh, we want you to bet responsibly and to understand responsible, responsible gamble. And that's on their website. And you can find that information at begambleaware.org as well. Uh, but let's get back over to the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk and, and, and see what's going on. It is the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. Let's talk about going out to Roma. Um, Kathy, there's been a lot of, there's a lot of understandable uh, question marks around this one. It doesn't, those who knew, knew when the draw was made. Let's be quite honest about this, that this was not going to be an easy or nice experience for Liverpool supporters going out to Rome. Uh, there's the incident around the ground, another instance as well on uh, Tuesday night. It's it's one where it's difficult for everyone from minute one. The question is, could things have been handled better from minute one, full stop? Well, I was looking back to when we've played these games in the past and when we were first going back into Europe after the ban going right back to the early 90s and playing in Genoa in 92. And one of the things that the club did then was make sure the fans went out and actually told their own story before the game and actually tried to change the narrative because you can't underestimate the coverage in Italy of English football and fans in general and, and particularly with Liverpool. And we know that there have been incidents not just with Liverpool fans but everybody that's been out there yeah. in, in recent years. And um, so I do, think that, I do think there is more that can be done in terms of at least trying to change that narrative because in the end, it's the narrative that causes the problem. It's what they believe about our fans, it's what the police believe that's causing the problem. That narrative features, Gareth, uh, it, it's, you feel as though it's either being created or it's being emphasised by, I'd say, very irresponsible writing in the Daily Express, by yeah. very irresponsible coverage already in the Italian media. It does need to be countered. It does need to be countered by Liverpool one way or another. Um, I, I, it, I'm not saying it's easy, but I am saying it does need to be counted. Absolutely, it does. I mean, um, some of the stuff is just stuff that you thought had been left behind after, uh, you know, what, what went through with Hillsborough and then, you know, the when the truth was finally, you know, widely accepted and set in stone, if you like. And, you know, just the idea that you can just cheaply blacken the name of, of thousands of people and get away with it. I think times have changed now and, you know, the internet allows us a voice where we do by doing, you know, things like the Anfield Wrap in terms of the website, in terms of the podcast, in terms of this show, you know, it, it allows us a voice, it, it gives us a voice and, you know, I wrote a counter to that that piece in the Express and plenty of people were sharing that. Uh, Dave Prentice did something the same in the Liverpool Echo as well and this is where we are now in that, you know, we, we, we can challenge these things, we can go back and it, it's continued to happen today. I mean, quite where it comes from in Italy that, you know, there's a thousand Liverpool fans, dangerous Liverpool fans headed for Rome. You know, that that there's something at play there for me, you know, and the idea that it comes from a police source, again, all, all too familiar, really, in sort of the story of Hillsborough, when you look back at, you know, White's news agency and, and the idea of some of the lies that started to creep out into the national consciousness via, you know, police sources then. You know, this, this seems almost like a preemptive thing to create a situation around fans who are just going out to Rome to watch the team, to have a good time, to see a great city. And, you know, what I hope it doesn't mean is that, you know, we arrive there and we're, and we're prejudged about what we're going to be like as people and about how we're going to behave and, and then policed accordingly. Um, you know, what I would like to see is more of, of, of what Cathy's talking about, about the idea that, the vast majority, 80-90%, probably more of people who support Liverpool and who support Roma just want to watch a football match, just want to have a good time. They don't want knives, they don't want violence. They certainly don't want to see a fella, you know, lying in a critical condition in a hospital fighting for his life. And it's worth saying that, you know, we are all thinking about Sean Cox and, um, you know, it's, it's a small thing to do really, but if you do want to sort of play a small part, I know that the Albert is doing a... A, a draw, a raffle yeah. for a Steven Gerrard shirt. Hopefully lots and lots of people go and throw in for that, pop in the Albert, have a go. All that money will be going to his family. There's various funds being set up as well to help them get, you know, back and forth from Ireland while they, you know, they pray and hope that he's going to be okay. Um, but, you know, we, we don't want any of that. No, no one wants any of that. And, and you know, we, we, what we need to see is the clubs and the police forces at home and abroad protect us and not be not be leaking stuff into the press, not be creating narratives around fans that are unhelpful. There's there's, there's something else as well, ever so slightly, Cathy, you know, everyone's got a responsibility to be the change they want to see a little bit here, and it's important what Gareth said there about, we know, and we knew when the draw was made, we know that there are a, a minority of Roma supporters who, you know, we, we saw them in action the other night, who want to cause trouble, but 
that is very much a minority. We've got to, we've got to articulate that. We've got to go out of our way to do it to say that the, the reality is most people in Rome and the vast majority of Rome, Roma supporters will be sound. And they do just want to watch a football match. They do just want to have a good time. It's very important, isn't it, that that message comes through from Liverpool supporters going the opposite way. Totally. It's got to come from the fans as much as it's got to come from the club. You know, it's it's the club can say all, all they like about about the fans, but it's only actually, I think, when fans speak for themselves and in the way that we act and we're believed onto each other. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's got to be about Liverpool fans and Roma fans coming together to give that that really clear message because in the end, it's, it's the police who, who are often what we've got to worry about when we're there. When I went in 2001, they wouldn't let us get on the buses from the stadium. And all the warnings we'd had would do not walk along that road from the stadium back into town after the match, whatever you do. And we had no choice. And it was just frightening doing something that you know you've been warned about. And, you know, there's basically been told there's going to be people in the bushes waiting for you and you don't know whether it's true or not. You know, and, and we didn't feel we had any protection from the police and I'm not, I'm not going to Rome this time. It's The last part of this is, Gareth, is... People have got to be responsible. We've got to be responsible going over as well. I think you've spoken to uh, Gabriel Marcotti today in a free yeah. show that's come out in the Anfield Raps feed. That, you know, I think there is a there is a thing here where there's everyone's got to be able to enjoy themselves. Everyone's got to be able to have a really, really good time. But there's got to be the idea of, you know, it's let's all make sure we're all having a nice time, if you know what I mean. Let's yeah. all make sure and all make sure we're all looking after each other as well. Absolutely. And and just, you know, just I, I just hope and pray that, you know, some common sense prevails. I mean, look, this isn't going to be any ordinary football match now. Um, you know, there will be people who, who take what's happened outside the cop the wrong way on both sides. Um, there is an edge to it. You know, you've got the, the, the worldwide media talking about it now. They've been all over us at the Anfield app asking us. I'm sure the same's happening over in Rome. You've got the idea that of some kind of extraordinary meeting taking place in Rome. I'm, I'm not particularly sure about the, the, the usefulness of that language even because, you know, when I was speaking to ITN earlier today, the fact that Liverpool have said it's an extraordinary meeting then made them ask me, well, the, well, is this only happening because Liverpool fans are going over then? And so it makes Liverpool fans different again. It makes that it, it, it starts another conversation about us being some kind of different type of people and we're not, we're just ordinary people. And, you know, some of the stuff, you go all the way back to, you know, talking about 1984 and all this kind of thing. I mean, how relevant is that in 2018? Why does that matter? I was why, why is it all, exactly, why is it all pitched as revenge for this and getting it back for that and all that? It's nothing to do with that. It, it's it's two different sides. It's lots of different fans. As you say, loads of fans who wouldn't have been there, weren't born. And and so, you know, we sort of need to take control of this story and go over there and, you know, behave ourselves, show, that, show the world that we're not... These savages show the world that, you know, all, all these people that want to write these things and say these things on social media about Scousers, about Liverpool, about Liverpool fans, go out there and show them that they're wrong. Go out there that, and show them that all we're there for is to have fun, watch the football and hopefully cheer Liverpool into the final of a European Cup. And I think it's important that we're aware of the impact of our behaviour and how that's read and how that's seen. Because I know when I was when I was working at the Premier League and we were talking to UEFA about some of these situations and talking to people in Italy a they're not used to people drinking and going to the match in the way that fans here do. I remember Newcastle playing in, I think, in Milan. And we had to explain to them, look, you know, they'll get drunk and they'll fall over. They're not drunk and dangerous, you know. And and they were they said yeah. to us afterwards, you know, you were right. Yeah, they got drunk and they fell over. They, they're not used to people acting in the way that we do and singing and all of that sort of noise. And they see that and they see those pictures. And they don't see what we see, which is boisterous people enjoying yeah. themselves. They see something very threatening. And when it frightens them, that's how they're going to react. You know, that's how the police are going to react. I think we, we saw that. We need with, to understand that. Yeah, absolutely. We saw that with Seville, didn't we? In, in, in some of the coverage in Spain as well. You know, when, when we're travelling over, there's, there's pre- press reports that we obviously look at and go, well, that's unhelpful. Where we're being pitched as some kind of hooligan stroke yobs, etc. And yet the pictures they're using are simply people, you know, mm. maybe with a bit of pyro and flares and things like that stuff that we sort of shrug our shoulders at. But they see that as as almost ultra behaviour, and, and and that these people who are going over are these nineteen eighties football hooligans, which which we certainly are not. You know the idea that there's a thousand people knocking around regularly going to Liverpool matches who are hell bent on trouble is is you know absolutely wrong, and, and wherever that's come from, that should be challenged, like we said before. But one way to challenge it is in your own behaviour and how you act when you're over there. Be respectful 
I mean, look, we all like a flag and a banner and a sing and a shout, but in certain places at certain times, mm-hmm. you know, certainly at night and things like that, you're just going to have to behave yourselves and realise that, you know, you're in a city where there are there is some tension, there is some fans that want to take things over the line. So just behave accordingly. Okay, that is uh, Gareth Roberts and Cathy Long there on that. Earlier today, I spoke to Heather Carroll uh, about Liverpool ladies, uh, their game against Everton's women on Sunday at Prenton Park. Uh, this is what she had to say. Yep, joined now by Heather Carroll about Liverpool ladies. They are in the Merseyside derby this weekend. We'll come and talk about that in a minute or two. Uh, but before then, they played Tuesday night. They played against Arsenal women. <clears throat> I checked the score, Heather. Saw that they got beat 3-0. Said, did they batter them? And you said, no, they didn't. <laughs> no, not at all. Not until 60 minutes, at least. Um, I feel like for the first half, we were very much on top. Um, we just weren't as clinical in front of goal as they clearly were in the second half. Yeah. Um, we had a golden chance on eight minutes when Caroline Weir got a, a free kick about 25 yards out and the goalkeeper spilled it. Uh, but Beth England and Gemma Bonner both just a fraction too late to get onto the rebound. And it's just it's moments like that that change the course of a game, isn't it? And by the time we got to the second half, uh, 60 minutes, we they, they just like fired shot after shot at us. And Siobhan Chamberlain did excellently and the scoreline doesn't reflect that. It's, it seems as though, again, we've said all the way through the season, it's, 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 it's a funny season for them. Chelsea sit top, three points clear to Man City, but Man City have the game in hand. Then just beneath them, there's Arsenal, 28 points. Mm-hmm. Liverpool have actually ended up a little bit closer than I think we would have thought, certainly to Man City and to Chelsea. Liverpool yeah. have played 14, 24 points. Birmingham, 23, Reading, 25. Since we last spoke, it does seem as though those sides, Reading, Birmingham and, to a certain extent, Liverpool have come back on the top three mm-hmm. above them. Yeah, it's been a funny season, actually. I think Man City and Chelsea have both dropped points now, which, you know, at the start of the season seemed impossible. And Is prior, that because of the distraction? Chelsea have got European football. Is that, that an element of it? They yeah. both have, yeah. They both, they're both in the Champions League semi-final. They both just played semi-finals last weekend and then they've got them again this weekend. Um, but, you know, prior to this Arsenal game, you're looking at us and thinking, if we get three points against Arsenal, we're suddenly up in the mix. You know, we've got City to play and we've got Chelsea to play. So you're suddenly looking at us thinking, can we get top two? I mean, maybe now it is a little bit out of our reach, but we've still got you know, a good few games left to go. There is a good few games left to go. Liverpool's season has been sort of defined by by those defeats, mm-hmm. really. I think it's you know that that's the strangeness of it, the defeats. And the, what struck me when I was going back through the season is, with the exception, arguably, of maybe Sunderland away, yeah, the defeat, Liverpool are either winning or they're getting beaten quite heavily. You know, is this part of them being a young side, do you think? Is this part of that journey? Because, you know, they're, they're either winning, they haven't drawn a game all season, no. which is crackers. <laughs> we don't spend it by small margins. No, no, no. And so they're either, you know, for instance, they do Yeovil 4-0, but then the, yeah. the, but then the game before that, the week before that, they get beat 4-0 by Birmingham. Yeah. The game before that, they get beat 3-0 by Chelsea Ladies. But the two results before that are 3-0 and 3-1 in Liverpool's favour. My point is that the, the, the side that is... That that the consistency's not been there. It's mm-hmm. fair to say, but yeah. when they, when they do turn it on, they can turn it on really well. Absolutely, and I mean, looking back at the Birmingham game, for example, Birmingham was a side that we should be able to take a game to, and in the past, it's always been pretty close between the two sides. I actually did a podcast with Birmingham fan group the day before, and I'm never doing it again. Um, <laughs> and you know, I was like, I was talking about how close the results between us always are, and then we go and get beat four nil. But if you look at it in the context of we didn't have any centre halves available for that game, right? Then you're looking at you're pulling Sophie Ingle back from midfield, you're pulling Alex Greenwood in from left back where you don't want her to come in from left back. You want her out on the wing, and you've got you had I think we had Tatarin Money as well as we had like three cent we had to make three centre backs out of three non centre backs, yeah. if you like. So that makes a difference across the pitch. You know, it, it upsets the balance of the team. So if you look at the result in that context, then it's not such a harsh result as it maybe looks. Um, noticeable then this weekend, <clears throat> they're playing uh, Everton, mm-hmm. uh, Everton ladies, and not only are they playing them, but it's also a Prenton Park. I mean, many people are aware of that. This one this weekend, the Liverpool ladies, a 2pm kickoff at Prenton Park, Tramia. Yes. Uh, it's an opportunity for people to go to Tramia. If you don't go to Tramia, it's an opportunity yeah. in general to, it's, it is significantly closer to Liverpool city centre. It's hugely convenient for everyone. And the hope will be that there's a fair bit of a turnout for this. I think that's what they're hoping for as well. We've been on a little bit of a tour in recent weeks. Uh, we've played uh, Prescott Cables and we played at Walton Hall Park. But this one, I feel like this is the one where maybe we can push on and get you know a really good crowd in. England women played here a few months ago and got um, a, a fair few thousand in. So you know if we can capture some of that local interest, then it'll be great. Um, I know the Tranmere season ticket holders are actually, you can get in for free if you've got a season ticket for Tranmere. You can also get in for free if you've got a Liverpool season ticket or a membership card. 
excellent stuff. So it's basically they really want to get people down for this. Yeah. So it should be, you know, Everton are a, an interesting side this season. They're currently sitting eighth. There's been a fair few goals in their games. They haven't been, you know, Yeovil or Bottom, for instance, and they haven't won a single game. Tramier, yeah. sorry, Everton have won three of the uh, the thirteen times they've taken to the pitch. The expectation would be that Liverpool certainly don't draw against them. Uh, that they that they uh, that they would they should prevail. That would be the idea. I know they played them early in the season uh, and and beat them then and beat them with a lot of patience. But it won't be it won't be a walk in the park, will it? It'll be an intense game. It won't be. No, Merseyside derbies never are on any level. Um, you know, even in youth football, especially with the women, though Everton really like to come at us. Um, and we've seen that in the derby back in September when. You know, it was it was pretty level for for a certain time, and then we just took hold of the game and and took it beyond them. But I think it'll be a really good contest on on Sunday. You know, both of us, if you look at our recent form, we've both only um, I think won two of our last five games. So you know, it's interesting going into it in terms of the league table as well. Uh, things I don't I think I noticed um, is that Liverpool have got Gemma Bonner back. They've missed her. And when we were talking before about the inconsistency of the results, mm-hmm. they'll have missed Gemma for much of the season. Um, you know, she's captain uh, and very much leads that side and very much organises as well as she plays. Um, she's back. And I think that, that can, that's something that Liverpool can can hang their hats on, plus the the ongoing form of Beth England's up top. Absolutely. You know, Beth, Beth's putting them away. You know, when we do score, Beth scores. So um, it's, she's been excellent for us this year. And Gemma Bonner being missing, that was, you know, that was a huge loss for us in that run of games between January and April. And you could see the noticeable difference when she comes back against Chauvel. She, even though she only played for 60 minutes, she just towers above everyone else at the back there. You know, she's brilliant for us. And she just has this, like, calm and presence across the whole team. And everyone seems to, like, raise their level a little bit once she's there and once she's on the pitch barking orders at them. I just think everyone plays better if she's in the team uh, alright then so it is Prenton Park on Sunday it is 2pm uh, anyone uh, get down Reds, Blues whatever uh, Reds, Blues, Tramia Reds, Blues, Whites yeah. if you will or anyone <laughs> at all who's got an interest in women's football it should be a really really good occasion at Prenton Park and all the usual stuff does apply it's noticeable for instance on Liverpool's website that they're doing a free skills session before the Everton game as well there's a real desire to get people involved so if you can make it down Brilliant if you can't, do encourage others who you think might be able to and would enjoy it to get to Prenton Park uh, on Sunday, 2pm uh, kickoff. Uh, give me a prediction. Uh, I'm going I'm going big. You know, like I said, we don't do it by small margins. I'm going 3-0. 3-0 Liverpool? 3-0 Liverpool, yeah. Excellent stuff from Heather. Let's get back <laughs> over to everyone else. Good to speak to Heather there. If you can get to Liverpool, ladies, do do so. Um, moving along towards this game against Stoke. I've got a lot of time left, but I do want to talk about it. Manny looks like he's not going to play, uh, Harry. But it isn't as though Liverpool have got a ton of options to rotate. I think you're probably going to see quite a strong Liverpool side. We want to obviously qualify for next season's Champions League. We're having so much fun. But also the manager's not going to... He's not going to wreck rhythm. He's not going to risk a couple of risk a bad result. He's not going to want to lose momentum. You're probably just going to see a lot of early subs. I, I think you might be right. Yeah, I think it's a it's a difficult question whether to rotate or not. But if I were the manager, I would be going quite strong. I think if you beat Stoke this weekend, you practically assure yourself of uh, Champions League qualification. I think we'd only need a point against Brighton on the last day, even if we lost to Chelsea. So I think we'll see the likes of Salah and Firmino and maybe Ings on the wing. I think he will change up defence as much as he can, but obviously there's not much room to wiggle there and it's the same midfield. So I think we'll stay uh, stay pretty much the same as the, the other day. The other thing is, he's not a manager who you get the impression whilst he rotated early in the season, Cathy, he simultaneously respects his footballers. He doesn't want to wrap them in cotton wool and he's got a fellow who's determined to score 50 goals this season for Liverpool up front. And Firmino next to him appears to very much be imbued with the joy of football. I I, I struggle to see him really being able to explain to them properly why they've got to sit down for 90 minutes. I can see him being able to explain why they've got to come off on the hour. But the idea that he's going to be able to say, no, you're not even getting involved here is, 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 is a bit wild. I think he likes to see his players in that rhythm, really. And it's a bit like he's saying, why they're in the rhythm? Why mm. why not have them play? The best the best way of training is to be playing. You know, and I can, so I, th- I think he actually likes to get into a, at least a settled pattern with a settled number of players. And he, I don't think he likes changing it. Yeah, you know, I, so I think if he doesn't feel that he, that he, that he has to, and I think he's thinking, well, actually... What, you know, you can't wrap them up in cotton wool. You, you can't stop people getting injured. They can get injured getting out of bed, training, yeah. anything. You know, it's it's different to the Everton one in that it was that was the the, the, the fixtures was flipped. It was Wednesday, Saturday morning, Tuesday. This is Tuesday, Saturday morning, Wednesday. Yeah. Gareth, I think he's I, th- I think he's going to go pretty strong. I think he's just going to go. You know what? Keep them playing. Worry about the legs as 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 the game wears on. Go from there. 
Yeah, I think I, I think the same, and, and I totally agree with the idea that you know, even if they're insane, and you know, there's the opportunity to get injured there as well. They're playing in practice games and things like that. So yeah, I think he's just going to go strong because it kind of feels like it's dragging out this, you know, this secure and top four thing, and we're, and we're starting to run out of games, and people are starting to get a little bit edgy and and expecting Chelsea to all of a sudden turn brilliant, which I don't think is going to happen. Um, They've got a tough game at Swansea. Yeah. Um, I I think he'll want to get it done. I think um, Stoke are sort of at breaking points, and you know, they've their attempts to big themselves up haven't been great. You know, I, I watched their manager's press conference before, and he seems downbeat. You know, he's he's not a fella who's looking for any. Like they were feeding them all the lines, if you like. So is it is it a good time to come to Anfield? He wasn't having that. No, he didn't think it was a good time to come to Anfield. And I, I don't know. I've not heard any sort of fight and talk out of them. Is what I mean. And I, and I think Klopp will go strong, probably you know as strong as you can go, because I think he'd be wary of what he saw at West Brom, which was you know changed a few there. And and as Cathy mentioned, think- rhythm was lost. And and you, and yet. You know, you go look at look at the Bournemouth performance, which I thought was a good. You know, it, it was enough. They won, they won well, but they were about eighty percent for most of the game. They turned it, they dialed it down too much for West Brom. What one thing I think they might do, Gareth, is he might go five at the back. He might go five, five, two, three, because he might think he wants to. Re- he wants to not just rest a centimetre, not just rest one, but have them one he can bring on. If you know what I mean, so someone who only gets an hour in centimetre, he might, he, he might go three at the back because he could play. I've got something written down. He could play Gomez. He could play Gomez, Van Dijk, Clavin um, as his back three. He could then have Klein right wing back, Moreno left wing back, then two from Henderson, Wijnaldum and Milner with the option of bringing the other one on and then Salah, Firmino, Ings or Solanke with the option of bringing the other one of them on. As the, You know what I mean? It, I, he might do something a little bit like that. Yeah, maybe. I, I sort of, yeah, I'm best about it. I mean, I, I just kind of think whoever they put out, they should be able, should be more than capable of beating Stoke. Stoke. Stoke have been grim all season. Only won one away game. Exactly. A, a wretched record at Anfield as well. Uh, as I say, the manager not exactly looking like this sort of tub-thumper motivator right now. Um, so, I, I just think they need to get it done. They need to get it done and, and, and sort of come out the traps, get it, get it done early and then substitute That's- off. Do it that way round. And let's ensure that no one leaves any tubs in the Stoke dressing room pre-match <laughs> for Lambert to decide he's gonna thump. Uh Kathy, what have you give me your prediction? Uh 2-0. 2-0 the Reds. Harry. 3-0. 3-0 the Reds. Gareth. I'll go 3-0 as well. 3-0 as well. Uh Gareth and Harry having flamboyant afternoons. Kathy ever so slightly <laughs> more reserved. Uh hopefully, hopefully, uh Gareth and Harry see it through. Uh, listen, thank you very much to them. Thank you very much to Heather. Thank you very much to the mighty boys in red. Liverpool have got Stoke City this weekend. A big win there. Chelsea have got a massive question mark against them at Swansea, and we keep forgetting that there's spurs between us anyway. Uh Liverpool should confirm top four this weekend with a little bit of luck, but we all know what we want them to confirm. They've got to do it Wednesday night in Rome, and they're going to. Podcast Network.